0: book three part two of susan by ernest old meadow this librivox recording is in the public domain saint veronique part two it's beautiful miss said susan dejectedly after she had perused my effort and she sat looking up into the sky the picture of disappointment and indecision i went to the rescue say what's on your mind susan there's a but isn't there it's beautiful but what i was thinking confessed susan blushfully that it isn't isn't what it isn't very loving loving i said what do you mean why here you are spending a month deciding whether you can try to care for lord reddington or not it isn't time yet to be loving no persisted susan but i mean miss won't he be disappointed he can't help that you might as well say that he's disappointed because you don't pack your box and go straight off to ruttington towers susan was unconvinced what did you say yourself susan last week didn't you say that it wouldn't be good for him to throw yourself at his head when susan had first used it the expression had irritated me but it came in handily susan however thought otherwise a spirit of revolt entered her soul and i perceived the beginnings of her new pout do as you like susan of course i said it's your affair not mine but don't go and make another muddle as you did with mr john lamb it went home indeed i'm not sure that mr john lamb wasn't so to speak a wolf with a silver lining the merest whisper of his soft and innocent name is enough to scare susan into the extreme of docility oh no miss she said hurriedly the letter's beautiful but don't you think-what don't you think miss it would be nice to ask for his photograph and a lock of his hair while i was fighting down an impulse to laugh outright it struck me that the photograph was rather a happy thought with his photograph to study i should at least be spared panicky announcements and dreadful feelings whenever susan saw a strange englishman at st veronique besides i had no little curiosity to see what this mad lord ruddington might be like a lock of hair is ridiculous i said you must have been reading some trashy novelette but a photograph's different i'm glad you've thought of it after all susan you mightn't care to marry even lord reddington if you found he was dreadfully ugly give me back the letter and i'll add a postscript i wrote p s i feel that i haven't written you much of a letter but there is so little to lay hold of as i said before you have seen me but i have never seen you will you not send me your photograph when it comes perhaps i shall remember that i have seen you after all where was it that you saw me taking a little more liberty than was her wont susan peeped shyly over my shoulder while i wrote as i put down the pen she heaved a deep sigh of unaffected satisfaction it's lovely miss she said fervently that's just what i must have meant that part about wondering where he saw me only i couldn't explain it and it's put so short and ladylike don't say ladylike susan i said give me an envelope i wrote out lord Ruddington's name and address in the style of handwriting i had used throughout the letter it was my own writing but a little bigger inkier and slower than usual you see susan i explained i'm meeting you halfway. by the time he's had a letter or two from me written like this you ought to be able to do something pretty near it yourself now go upstairs and bring down those french stamps they're in my green bag while susan was upstairs i took the letter out of the envelope and glanced through it once more when i got as far as i have always been happy with miss langley the oddity struck me irresistibly it was quite too comically reminiscent of the letters which girls used to write under the governess's eye and at the governess's dictation protesting their ideal happiness at school there was just time i picked up the pen and wrote sideways along the margin of the letter i suppose you think my mistress calls me briggs when susan arrived with the stamps the letter was back in its envelope the flap was gummed down and i was blinking peacefully at the sunlight on the sea wednesday noon i suppose it's true that every country gets the government it deserves but the maxim like nearly all the maxims i've ever heard is a heartless one without doubt france just now has got the government which france deserves as a whole but the whole is made up of parts and unless my travels have misled me there must be thousands of parts of france like st i have seen a dozen myself rural communities working hard and living decently with the slated spire of their hoary parish church looking down upon them as it looked down ages ago on their direct ancestors who first drained the valleys and set vines upon the hillsides here live and toil the men, and more remarkable still, here live and toil and suffer the women, whose hard earnings are the war chest of France when the professional politicians of Paris wantonly thrust the nation into some vain-glorious adventure. Here was made and saved the treasure with which the invader was bought out when his armies were everywhere masters of French soil. And here are bred the supplies of sound human stuff-the healthy bodies, the healthy souls to redress the awful balance of the towns and to save france from becoming a ruin amid stinging weeds and insolent poppies even an atheist statesman if he's as truly a statesman as he's truly an atheist ought to know that in striking at the village churches he is striking at the heart of french rural life and that in wounding french rural life in a vital spot he will be severing arteries where bismarck and von maltke only lanced small veins this morning has made me so sad the sweet little white convent is shut up the garden is full of nettles two of the chapel windows are broken the nuns are in england and the lawyers have grown fat on the pickings at the church the statue of st veronica over the west door has a broken arm snapped off on the day of the inventory meanwhile the weeks are drifting by and for all the old cure knows he will be saying mass in a barn before the winter is half over i mean to say now and again what france's million officials from the president of their so free republic down to the st veronique postman daren't say publicly and aloud in this land of liberty i mean to say god save france thursday afternoon i wish master rudy's photograph would come this morning about eleven a young englishman suddenly walked in with a knapsack the funny thing was that he didn't come by the road He marched here straight from the beach as if he'd just been thrown up by Jonah's whale. He was a nice boy and quite all right. Not another Mr. John Lamb. It seems he's tramping a hundred miles along the coast by the cliff paths and the sands. He was dying to talk to me at lunch. Indeed, he looked even hungrier and thirstier for human companionship than for his omelet and roast chicken and cider, which is saying a very great deal. Now that it's too late, I'm sorry I didn't let him talk all the time he was here susan was nearly as silly as she was on the boat she got it into her head that as ruddington wrote here on saturday thinking we were coming straight through he must have been upset when tuesday morning came without a letter and that therefore the pretty boy with the knapsack was certainly he i was obliged to be very sharp with her heaven send the photograph soon because i will admit to this diary when susan has a feeling i can't help catching the complaint before dinner it's just come the photograph and a letter as well he says the photograph was only taken yesterday morning it's a local thing not retouched so i suppose we can depend on it as a faithful likeness if so i must say i like him tremendously susan is disappointed that he has no moustache he looks like a young and fresh version of some handsome and benevolent judge or cardinal he isn't the least bit flabby or silly-looking as i expected he has a scholar's head but he's evidently a man of energy as well as of thought i should say he has a tremendous will of his own he doesn't look the sort to have fallen over years in love with a china shepherdess like susan at first sight but there's the fact and although the stupid girl can't see it and never thought he would be like that miss i don't know many women that wouldn't feel it a compliment to have him in love with them either at the first sight or the second or the fiftieth he looks handsome without being dandified and brainy without being dry his letter this time is less old-fashioned and more easy he says ma chère suzanne you have commanded me not to say my dear susan and behold i obey i'm sorry to say it but my dear susan i mean ma chère suzanne has a hard heart her letter to tell me that she's landed safe in normandy without being shipwrecked or run over by a motor-car only reached me this wednesday morning and if i hadn't ridden into Durlingham and fished it out of the post-office i shouldn't have got it till tomorrow. morrow if suzanne were kind she would have sent one line on sunday it is an enormous relief to know that you are not hard-worked or unhappy when i saw miss langley with you once outside Traxellby church and twice in the street i thought she seemed rather nice though to tell the truth i didn't waste time looking at miss langley when i could spend it looking at suzanne now about this horrible photograph i've always hated photography and always shall but your commands must be obeyed so i went into the studio of the durningham artist the artist was a pasty-faced youth in a velvet coat with byronic curls that must take hours every night he wanted to do his worst and to turn out something elaborate that wouldn't be ready for a week but i gave him a maximum of three hours and he has handed me the enclosed i expect a long answer to this telling me all your doings by return of post and i shall be the most injured man in all england if suzanne's own photograph is not enclosed with her long letter more than ever i am your ruddington i like this letter susan i said putting it down again on the table yes miss said susan without enthusiasm and after a pause she added but don't you think miss it begins rather funny no i answered i think the beginning is rather neat you've forgotten in our last letter we told him he might call you dear susan but he mustn't call you my "'So, instead of calling you my, he says he's going to call you ma.' "'Is that it?' asked Susan, pouting. "'Well, I don't think I like it. "'That's what my Uncle Bob used to call my Aunt Martha.' "'Your Uncle Bob?' I echoed, stupefied. "'Yes, miss. He called my Aunt Ma, and she called him Pa. "'I don't like it, miss. It sounds common.' when i had recovered enough gravity i tried for the twentieth time to give susan a rudimentary lesson in french she endured my efforts with deference but underneath i could see that her rustic british prejudice against france and all things french is unshaken i honestly believe that in susan's opinion to have set foot in france at all is a slight lapse from propriety and a loss of the finest bloom from the soft cheek of one's maiden virtue in france the silly creature won't even touch beef just because of some stupid tale of gibson's about a roast horse she firmly believes that out-and-out frenchmen eat bullfrogs toasted whole on a fork and that the french language is a ludicrous disability imposed on the natives by a strictly protestant deity as a just punishment for being papists and foreigners susan doesn't intend to lower herself by learning french any more than by learning to stammer or to swear what about your photograph susan i inquired changing the subject you see he wants one did you happen to bring one with you no miss it's two years since i had it took taken not took then what are you going to do i don't know miss you ought to oblige him i said don't be so limp look at the trouble he took to get you his own portrait the very same day i'm almost sure there's a photographer at madame will know it's only three miles we'll go in the morning oh no miss gasped susan fluttering suddenly into liveliness not in france miss why not in france i shouldn't like to be photographed in france miss said susan decidedly for a moment i almost felt as if i had proposed mixed bathing to the rector's virgin aunt to be photographed in france sounded a degree or two worse than going to church but a moment later i felt impatient and annoyed very well susan i said shortly you may be sure i don't want to drag myself to Grandpont. do whatever you please as usual she became immediately and amply and sincerely penitent it was very kind of you miss she said humbly you're always good to me but i feel i couldn't go and be photographed in france then don't go and be photographed in france i said still ruffled so far as i'm concerned it's settled and done with now i want to read the newspaper i could see with half an eye that there were unaccountable things which susan was yearning to talk over but i was nearly at the end of my good nature with the little that remained i tried to let susan down gently i picked up lord ruddington's photograph again and said at any rate you can't find much fault with his looks no miss responded susan tepidly but i did think he would have a moustache friday sunrise an apple-branch has tapped at my window and a lark is singing eagerly in the near sky this shall be a good day as rosy as the apple's cheeks as blithe as the lark's song i hereby register a vow against ruddington and all his words and works we needn't send him his answer till to-morrow So today, Susan shan't mention him, and I won't even think of him. Somebody's left a clean, new, cheap copy of Les Chouans here. How I shall love reading it again! Except while I'm bathing and eating and sleeping, I mean to sit and read it on the cliffs all day. End of Book 3, Part 2